Hello and welcome back to Multimodal. I'm your host, Baxi Future. Uh, today we have a very special podcast. This is my first video podcast. We've never done this before, so I'm really excited. And also we have a very special guest. Okay. Uh, we have Sandra Kublik. She's an entrepreneur, YouTube creator, community organizer. She's very active in the community. You know, she's thrown events, she's mentored people. Um, and she's also created very, very good resources on YouTube for people to learn more about GPT-3, learn more about DALI, um, and no matter what skill level they're at, whether they're, you know, very heavy developers, whether they're startup people. And so it is my pleasure to have Sandra here today. Uh, Sandra, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey there. Um, hello, everyone. Hello, Bugs. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to be able to join you here. Uh, I think uh, what you are doing with Multimodal Discourse uh, for for over a year now, I guess, is really um, exciting. And um, so, yeah, happy to join the pack. Um, a little bit about myself. Uh, your introduction was very kind. I'm, um, I'm, I guess, a very curious person just that asks a lot of questions once, uh, once uh, she approaches something of interest, and that's the case with uh, with GPT-3, with uh, DALI as well, with uh, many of the recent AI advancements. And uh, the most exciting ones by far, in my opinion, come from OpenAI. So that's, that's how I uh, kind of ended up um, diving deeper into it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think OpenAI is a leader um, there's definitely something about them, which is really compelling and pioneering. Um, and so you and I both, we, we do spend a lot of time just covering, interacting with open AI and probably for good reason. Right. Um, but so before we get into nuanced open AI discussions, I wanted to just, uh, ask you about your last video. It was really interesting. So just so you know, like I watch your YouTube channel on my TV. Um, and so when it showed up in my feed, uh, it was like mind blowing, right? Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the video? And also, I, so I watched the video and then later I was on my phone and I follow you personally on Instagram. And then I saw all these cool behind the scenes updates. So why don't you tell people about that video and the behind the scenes stuff? Oh, this is so nice. I haven't actually watched the, the last video on the, on the big screen. So I'm, uh, I'm need to do that still. I'm curious how, how it worked out. Uh, yeah. So, so basically, um, I created a short dialogue with um, using OpenAI API, using GPT-3 as uh, the source of the dialogue, but, but I also interacted with it. So I was one of the people in the dialogue and then GPT-3 was um, providing the uh, sort of back and forth for the conversation. Um, I used the uh, Synthesia a platform to avatarize myself. That's quite an interesting story, by the way, because uh, I approached these guys like a few times already, because I have been aware of what they are doing with with these virtual beings um, for a while, and I think they have great, um, great PR, great, great initiatives to kind of spread the word about synthetic media out there. Um, so I was really trying to get hold of the CEO to get him to uh, to have an interview with me. He was super busy, so he was pushing this away. Uh, at some point, I was looking for 
uh, together with my my uh, GPT-3 book author, a resource that will allow us to create videos for the book that will not require him or me to um, kind of do these videos with with ourselves, recording ourselves and editing. Uh, he is just not into this type of thing and I've been very busy, so I couldn't kind of split myself and do a little bit of everything. So he suggested we do the avatar. And then I was like, oh, hey, you know what? Actually, I know these guys. How about I talk to them? Maybe they will be, you know, happy to <laughs> to help us out with that. And uh, actually, uh, Victor, uh, the the CEO suggested that we can have our own own custom avatar, which is which was mind blowing because normally the service costs like one thousand dollars. So he was happy to give it uh, for us for free, and uh, and uh, guide us how to how to uh, put it together. So basically, Synthesia created avatar of myself uh, and that included um, only like a like a few minutes of video material on a green on a green screen from myself uh, that they later uh, you know um, that they did the magic on later later on and arrived at this amazing result I think result is really really good uh, then because um, it, it doesn't come with your voice, the, the avatar. So I was also researching for different platforms that do um, synthesized voice. And I found the script, which has a really nice um, opinion. And I had a good uh, experience with them with the first with the first take. So what I did with the script to arrive at, at a synthetic voice of mine was to basically uh, read the script that they provide of, I think it's like planet Earth, you know, something that David Attenborough is uh, narrating normally. So you are reading it for half an hour to two hours even, and then send them the voice file and then they create the voice based out of that. Um, I put it together, I was, I'm moving for that. That was super easy uh, actually. And uh, and here, here we are <laughs> with the video. And so was it easy syncing the video and the audio? Actually, um, Synthesia is taking care of that. So either it provides uh, the audio uh, by itself, but then you, you have just like limited options to choose from. And I happen to sound very weird with like very um, professional American accent. So I really didn't want that to, I didn't want it to stay that way. But if you provide your own file, then they work on syncing the audio to text. And I think they also have like, um, built-in uh, way of transcribing the text, because then when you want to kind of chunk it down, it already understands what was the what was the text that you've been uh, basing the audio on. So it's pretty, pretty good tech. That's really impressive. And like, so just, just to give people context, right? So we got a little bit behind the scenes, the process, that's really interesting. So I'm in like my living room, I'm like, oh, Sanders video, this looks interesting, right? And I, I think you, you put in the description, like it's based on somebody else who does a lot of these kinds of, yeah. And so I click on it thinking I'm gonna see Sandra interviewing. And like, I thought the other person was an AI and at no point did she say like, I am an AI. <laughs> like it was like, it was sort of a mystery. And I think there was something about it, which I was like, wow, like, so GPT-3 is one thing. 
But when you pair these things together, progress in, in video synthesis, audio synthesis, like it was really compelling. And like, I'm watching on a 4k Sony TV, right? Like it's not like a bad TV and, uh, it was just mind blowing. And like, as a YouTube creator, are you thinking, wow, like think about all the time savings from this, <laughs> like, cause, cause I. I only do, I mainly do audio, right? Like I don't normally do a lot of video and I, the only reason is simply because of time and efficiency, right? Like audio is just so much easier to produce, right? That's part of the reason I prefer the podcast. Like it's just so, so little amount of investment compared to video, but I'm not even doing video with recordings, like my face and lighting and everything. But were you like, wow, the time savings are unbelievable. Absolutely. Um, like for me, it's just one of the, one of the, another great toolboxes that I just, you know, got hold of. And uh, I, I already start thinking about other things that I can do uh, with with that tech. And, and I have another episode coming uh, and which is another experiment, a little bit different than this one. So um, I'm always super thrilled to see how people are reacting. It makes me very happy to see that you were kind of um, puzzled by it like it wasn't it wasn't obvious that uh i was supposed to I, you know it was to be a, supposed to be a human and it turned out to be an avatar so so that's that's really cool that's nice i i, I was properly fooled right <laughs> and like you, you you and i have had like a few conversations like I, I would classify you as someone i know right so it's for it's one thing that i'm fooled someone i know i i tend to know about the latest ai stuff and even I was fooled, you know, like there's so many levels to this where, and on top of that, like I, you know, I not only make YouTube videos, I watch a lot of YouTube videos, like really intensely. Like, mm -hmm. so your stuff, like, especially like one of your videos on, on Dali, the research paper, I like was very intensely watching that. So I think there was also something about the last video with the avatar and just my intensity of watching it, <laughs> that it was still like I'm glued to the screen, like, wow, this is a really interesting conversation. And it was like, oh, that's not her. <laughs> that's an AI. And I had to read the comments. And I think you confirmed to somebody like, was this an AI? And so it was also for me, like, just like, wow, like this is AI today, mm -hmm. right? This is today. Mm -hmm. And there's just something about that. It's incredible. Um, it so at, anyways, thank you for, thank you for making that. And, you know, on a philosophical level, you know, it's, it's very challenging besides even the discussion. Um, how did you find, so what was the GPT three prompt that you use? Was this just like a question answer or chat? Like what, tell us about the prompt. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I used the chat, um, like the, the already existing, um, uh, set of, of a chat, but I changed some, I tweaked some, uh, descriptions. I think I gave like two lines of descriptions that, Hey, this is a conversation between two avatars. One of them is like clever, philosophical, anxious. The other is uh, happy-go-lucky, philosophical, enthusiastic, just to have a little bit of contrast, but kind of stay on the same intellectual level. Um, and then I think I started with, uh, uh, with, with like the first um, sentence and uh, yeah, and took it from there. I did zero um, improvements, zero tweaks when it comes to GPT-3 responses. I was only the one providing the prompt each time when it was my avatar's turn to say something, but uh, but it was very um, kind of very natural, happened fast, uh, and blown me away. Also, 
Yeah, it's, it's funny, like, you know, the tools we have at our disposal, right? Like, it's literally like, so the, the GPT-3 part, I'm imagining from your perspective, that's like the most reliable part, you know, from your, in your mind, you're probably like, oh, like, that'll be easy. I'll get like a quick dialogue, which will be philosophical, and, like character personas, it'll get written for me. And then the, 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 the risks are more voice and video, but even then it was all right. And like, Anyways, it, it looked fun too. Like you're, you know, you're in a studio. There was lots of lighting. I can't imagine how many cameras they had. These must have been like special cameras they use, right, at the studio? No, actually, it was my friend uh, that did it in his own apartment because uh, he's, wow. he's a pro professional filmmaker, so he has very like okay. lo lots of professional gear at home. Uh, yeah, with yeah, a green yeah. screen, he had one camera, and I had a teleprompter yeah. when I was just like reading text and looking at the screen. So, got uh, it. Got it. Fun, fun experience though, for sure, right? Yeah, it was amazing. I, I yeah, love this yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. Um, I love, I love, uh, like all the rendezvous with the with the movies industry I had so far were all amazing. So I always, I'm always happy to jump there when I have opportunity. Totally, totally. So let's uh, let's backtrack a bit. So you use GPT three for this video. I'm sure you, you've used obviously you've used GPT three for many of your videos. Um, what what got you into GPT three in the first place? When did you first hear about it? Mm, so I think I think what got me in there was generally the the curiosity about the advancements in AI. Um, I uh, I'm not a trained AI professional. <laughs> I uh, I studied uh, philosophy and literature. So, but I was following advancements in AI very closely. Mm, and especially, I think at the, at the moment when I was kind of wrapping up my studies, uh, there has been these amazing, you know, achievements from OpenAI with Dota uh, games, um, also AlphaGo. I think e even before I, I finished studies, uh, so there was a lot of buzz going on about this like new, you know, renaissance for for AI field, and it got me hooked immediately. Mm, and I've been following it. Uh, ever since, and um, yeah, I, um, OpenAI being one of the leaders in the field, um, I got very excited first when when they had uh, initially released GPT two. Finally, after all this kind of back and forth, that it's dangerous to to be out there. Um, I was looking at others at that point. I was I was too shy, I think, to to put my fingers on it. But I was looking at others, um, other people experiments with it. Um, and then uh, when GPT three came, it was just like a natural follow up, and uh, and uh, even bigger, you know, disruptor <laughs> of of everything. Um, and then once once OpenAI started to release access to it, you know, I I just had to be there and and try it out myself. Um, and I guess that's how it happened. Do you, do you remember like your first experience with GPT three that you know really made you feel like wow this is on another level or AI is getting you know really very real or or something of that sort? Do you remember? Mm -hmm. mm, I remember watching demos initially of uh, early demos of GPT three mm, that was done, for example, by Bram Adams that I recently talked to about. Um, where he was able to generate poetry with it, uh, you know, <laughs> something that was just like uh, out, out of the spectrum uh, of, of my understanding of what AI can do um, with text. 
so um, and there were a couple of others that just showed you know that this is that this is completely new type of animal that uh, it mastered way more narratives that than uh, than we had that, than we are used to uh, when it comes to interaction with AI, with AI and as a, as a result the interaction with it is all the more interesting mm. so yeah yeah I mean I wouldn't say there was like one particular moment when I was completely blown away but there were all these like bits of bits and pieces of, of information about it that uh, made me realize that this is something on another level yes and so poetry was was one of those use cases does your do you think your background in literature and philosophy maybe is there something there that you know especially too like gpt3 is is a language model right um is there something about language that has always interested you Absolutely. Um, I initially wanted to be a writer as a, as a career, uh, as a professional. So uh, I was always drawn to, to language and playing with language and creative narratives and and uh, looking at how others do it. So, um, you know, having having experience with, with model being able to do it on its own uh, made me think, for example, made me question, to, to put it... Uh, in grander terms, what is intelligence and what, what do we call intelligence? So if um, some, pe some people, when they criticize GPT-3, um, they, they tend to diminish it as a parrot, for example. They say that it's just uh, this machine that learned a lot of different ways of responding to things in a way that sounds smart, like a student that knows nothing but knows how to answer the answers in a way that's compelling. And that's, that's kind of it. There is no you know, deeper intelligence behind it. Um, but then you start to think like whether, you know, like, uh, so, so what, what, what does it mean to be intelligent? What is our ability to communicate uh, anything different than being able to understand how to respond to a particular um, action, to a particular line of, text like a particular voice coming at us and use the right words the right tone of voice you know the right messaging to be able to survive this conversation and so forth so uh it, le it led me to um to think about that i mean intelligence itself huge topic huge philosophical topic there i don't think there will be any conclusive answers <laughs> ever because uh, it's always deeply embedded in the way we use notions and in the way we you know in our mind maps that keep changing with with centuries um but uh yeah i mean for, it's for me it's extremely interesting to be able to interact with something as uh linguistically intelligent as, as gpt3 for sure having this background <laughs> i mean i i find it and you know this intelligence point is is a really important one um I agree with you totally. Um, I find it, it's like how incredible it is, even though it was only trained on text, right? Like, like imagine like you as a baby were put in a room, right? With no visuals, no audio. And all you could do was have streams of streams of text thrown at you. That was your understanding and interaction with the world. Um, I, I think like, given the the you know the 
um, the the lack of inputs other than text it can still do all these crazy things right and like it's never it's never seen the mona lisa yet somehow it can describe it and its significance and that too in its own words right um i don't i don't know if if you gave me streams of text if i would be as smart as gpt3 <laughs> like only streams of text i think i'd get bored after <laughs> like a few books right uh so yeah and and definitely like to some extent we are compression right we are compression gpt3 is a crazy form of compression right like it was given petabytes of data and it can you know distill it and sort of restate it and do other things as well but it's easy to dismiss you know it's easy to trivialize it's easy you know like i agree that parrot criticism is is i don't know i think it's so flawed in all these different ways yeah um yeah but but uh, i i understand it at the same time like uh, especially when it comes to um how unstructured we are in the whole discussion about intelligence what intelligence is um and uh, what artificial intelligence is as a result um and uh, th there's on on the other uh, side of the spectrum this tendency to uh, go overboard and start fearing that you know th this this is um, GPT three is something that will suddenly come out of the box and will start to rule the world. Uh, and I guess these criticisms are targeted at uh, lowering this level of fear slash enthusiasm, depending on which side you are <laughs> in the humans versus AI um, territory. But uh, yeah, but uh, it, it is it, it is an amazing and um, like. A box with amazing capabilities that uh, we we don't even begin to comprehend. I think. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a great point. Um, so GPT three is one thing. Uh, OpenAI announced Codex, right? You're aware, uh, sister product to GPT three. It can write code. How are you finding Codex? Um. I have uh, I have a particular relationship with Codex. Definitely, it's not as easy as with GPT-3, but it's uh, just as big of a romance. I would say. So, um, so here's the thing: I am not I am not a coding person. My understanding of code is very, very, very basic. I can just like talk about it in 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 the abstract way. I can have a discussion with somebody, you know, ask questions, express. As express interest and, and um, science of initial understanding of it, but I am nowhere near to be to be a coder. So um, because of that, I prefer to look at things that people can do with Codex rather than uh, try it myself. I tried to replicate um, the the space um, game that OpenAI designed and showcased as one of the as one of the things that can, uh, Codex can do. It took me. It was one of the longest uh, videos I have ever made, I think. And this was because even though I was just trying to follow, you know, it was like a person that is cooking, is cooking, is baking like a cake for the first time. And, it, and, and she has this recipe that's very, very precise, very specific. And she tries to be like very, very um, precise when it comes to executing these steps but somehow this cake does not come out the way the way you want and uh, <laughs> it gets burned by by um 
uh, by some some sort of errors that you don't even begin to understand. So that was my experience. I was trying multiple times to replicate it with a little bit different narrative that I just found more fun. Um, and then finally, at some point, uh, I managed to find some workarounds and, and do it. But I, I remember I was like close to some little mental breakdown when I was doing that. So I would say, yeah, to, to conclude, it's a, it's, it's a rocky but exciting relationship that I have with Codex. Um, but yeah, like a little bit more serious. Um, I think it opens doors immensely. Like what, what I see people already start doing with, with Codex um, it, it will be just as big of a of a revolution as GP3, I, I think simply. And this is because code is so uh, um, is is uh, present in so many areas of our life already. And whether you're creative, whether you're a scientist, whether you're a coder, um, somehow you are you are interacting with code. So this is where Codex has the potential to disrupt things here and there. And I think I think. Codex and and similar models will eventually uh, create immense change when it comes to our interaction with uh, computers. Yes, and I, I totally agree. And my thing is always, as soon as I see technology today and it's already doing all these really impressive things, the question is always, what will it do a year from now? What will it do 10 years from now, right? And was there a point even with your trials and tribulations with Codex where you were even like, oh my God, like in five years, 10 years, like, you know, what is, what's going to be possible for me as, as somebody who's, who's, who's a, like, who's not really too much of a coder? Absolutely. Like when, so what I was doing, I was trying to replicate a game. And when I finally finished, I was like, holy moly like how like i am like right now no like absolutely no code person i am now able to replicate a game that's like usable and and is working and i can copy paste this code and like publish with like do some tweaks and publish it on app store or whatever like what what am i going to do you know few years from now when when this when the interaction with this code will be a little bit um easier mm, definitely i i definitely had that feeling of Wow, this is this is something, this is something very new. Yeah, and I, I think it's some some things about mindset, like the way that I use it as a coder. Like I both pretend I don't know how to code and I pretend I know how to code. Like it's it's like almost like you need both, because if you know how to code, you'll tell it in two specific ways, and you'll never even push it to its limit to see can it translate just a command of what I want into code, right? And like it, right now I feel like you need to sort of like have both at the same time, but I'm looking forward to, uh, honestly, I, I think your worldview might actually become the dominant worldview for something like Codex, where it's somebody who knows about code, you know, can have a conversation, probably make, you know, product functional decisions on a team, right? Um, translate programmer speak <laughs> into, you know, like functional requirements to communicate that to other people. I think somebody more like that uh, might actually be more suited for Codex than somebody who's too deep into code, uh, at least like in the next few versions of it. Um, and like on one hand too, like I'm even like, you know, pe so many people like put their 
put their kids into coding. Coding is the future. You have to learn coding. There's all these like political discussions, you know, we should teach the coal miners coding and they should be social media managers. And, like I see something like Codex and I'm no longer sure. I'm no longer sure like what is what is the go-to career uh, that is, you know, progressive, keeps with the times and also pays well and provides some security, right? But I, I just think with, with your perspective, I can see that becoming the more dominant perspective if you really want to leverage Codex. Yeah, I think like when it comes to preparing for the future, it's uh, it's such a tricky thing right now because like when when you see what can like how how the field can change within just uh, five years, uh, like AI, it's like you you are, you have no idea how it will look like in five years from now. It's just uh, really hard to hard to tell, and it's accelerating. So. Um, so, so it is tricky, but at the same time, I feel like um, I see immense value in understanding code, immense value in, in uh, mastering the basics. I have ha immense respect for that. I just don't have, my brain is just not, not you know, um, it's not its preference. Like I, I love languages. I, I love foreign languages. English is of my, my maternal tongue. So I was learning it. I was finding it fascinating and so forth. I love literature and the play with language, but for for some reason, <laughs> programming languages just don't 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 stick. So so I just you know went with what uh, what was more natural for me, and uh, I think that's like the healthiest uh, approach. I just do you do you? Yeah, yeah. Coding coding is definitely not for everybody, and like I wish we would stop pretending it is. <laughs> like I think it's like it's painful. Like we should acknowledge it. Like even people who I code, for, I code for a living. It's painful. Like I like it and it's painful. Um, nobody like talks about this other things too. Like I like so many pro programmers I know take like a Tylenol extra strength every day. Right. And it's just the nature of the work is so demanding on your brain. Right. It's so many headaches. It's just, even if you're good at it. Right. Uh, I have all these thoughts, but I, you know, I, I, I genuinely believe coding is not even usable. Like it's, if you see it as a product, it's not usable. It's not something which like it, it, it's almost designed to offload all this work to your brain. Right. And like, it sort of transforms your brain in the process, makes you more like a computer, but it's nowhere near as usable as like an iPhone where, you know, the, the expectation is the user's not supposed to think much. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why programmers get headaches and have burnout. And so I, I, I do think programming has always been a temporary gray area in our existence to something higher. It's something we've been doing ourselves simply because the machines could not do it. We're like middlemen or women, like, you, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's something like that. So <laughs> yeah. And I think it's unnatural. Sometimes I think it's unhuman. There's something about it, which you know, I, maybe we are more suited to philosophy and the arts and these kinds of things. I think those are more human skills than programming. It's an inhuman skill, <laughs> which mm. is a real like crazy take. I'm probably gonna get barbecued at the comments for saying that, <laughs> but like it, I don't, yeah, totally. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm also excited about Codex and giving more people opportunity and seeing what they make. That, that's going to be really exciting, right? Like you and I would have two completely different products, not just because of our technical experience, but just we're also just different people, right? And so I'd love to see what kind of products you'd make as well. Um, real quick, so I got uh, one other question. What are your thoughts on DALI, multimodal AI? Uh, that's multimodal is the name of the podcast. So I, I feel like I, I have to ask you <laughs> what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, I am I am thrilled with multi models. When when I saw Dali for the first time, when when OpenAI released the the blog post about it, I was uh, over the moon <laughs> to to see that uh, we have entered this phase when when you can just like with natural language um, create images. So this is another like this is yet another area where. Uh, people with no skills for design, for example, can uh, start creating amazing things where where artists uh, can find new ways of expression uh, that would be otherwise uh, blocked somehow by by the lack of, of tools or the lack of hardware or, or whatever. Um, I just see this as a, as a huge um, door opener for all sorts of creative endeavors and uh, um, yeah, I'm. I'm so looking forward. Like, I cannot wait for for being able to just playing with Dali and just you know creating like some sort of story myself, for example. I, just, I, I don't know why why it's not released yet, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to put my hands on it. How about you? I like badly want to try it. <laughs> badly. Like, if OpenAI emailed me, called me, you know, said, you know, you're, I'm already part of the early access program and stuff. If they if they if they reached out to me and said we'll give you five minutes with Dali <laughs> to try it. And like, you got to take like, if I got to take like a, a flight and then a connecting flight, <laughs> try it in San Francisco, do all the COVID testing at three in the morning. Like if they told me between 3 a.m. to 3.05 next Tuesday, <laughs> you get five minutes to try it. Like, I want to try it that bad. I'll do it. What did you like? What did you, what did you like? Absolutely want to like, like go out of your way to just even try it. Absolutely. Like I think, uh, I think whoever gets the Dali will start to rule the the content world because <laughs> like there there are so many things you can do with it. Like I I can just you know uh, think of of uh, how serious or um, different types of design that what what's already being shown with with Dali. Um, I think uh, uh, oftentimes just you know escapes humor hu human imagination. Like the there are some sorts of connections that would be never made by by humans just because we don't do these types of connections in our brains because of the way we were brought up and the way the way we were raised perhaps and the way we connect senses uh but it can and uh gosh like what else what else can be can be made with it it's just like sometimes it feels like um like a trip <laughs> when you look at different combinations uh with like zebra and coke can and <laughs> the, all, all these um, uh, all these uh, peculiar examples, but uh, I think it's part it's part of the fun. It's part of the of going literally outside of the box of human mind and and uh, testing all sorts of uh, possibilities. I I just like I'm drawn to the idea that I'm thinking of something in my head, and then I use language, I use these words, and then I push a button. And it exists, <laughs> right? Like there's something about that, which is like so crazy. Mm -hmm. And if I don't like it, just like GPT-3, the awesome part is I'll just click regenerate and it will do it again, right? Mm -hmm. um, and obviously there will be some nice arbitrage for anyone who gets access to Dali early. Like I'm going to create like an Upwork profile. I'll be slinging logos, <laughs> making like a cool two to $3,000 a day, just slinging assets. You know, and uh, truly, I, and I mentioned this to you as well, like if I had five minutes with Dali to just try it, 
I would give at least half that time probably to somebody really young, somebody six years old, 10 years old. And I, I just think the joy that I would get, that's one thing, but the joy they would get and how much that would change their world and all the things they would come up with, that would be very enjoyable for me to watch mm -hmm. and just be a part of and just share with somebody much younger than me. I'm, I'm excited to see what kids come up with, with Dally. And like, I mentioned this to you before. And I, I also think too, like a lot of them will just like jump to airplanes, you know, like I, that's what I would do if I was like in grade two or something still. Uh, and they would just be like, I want to draw my grandmother. And like, I want to like, here's, here's my, we went on a picnic today. <laughs> like, and just to see their reaction. Like, I think as content creators, like <clears throat> probably a great, series would just be watching kids use Dally and reacting to it. Like, I think that'd be like amazing content. It'd be such a feel good, such a fun, feel good kind of content. And I think they will do things with Dally that we could have never dreamed of, right? That they'll just, they'll just take things because their imagination is completely free. Right? I agree. I totally <laughs> <And> agree. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you and I got to get together and strong arm open AI to, to sort of lift the veil a little bit and find, let us try it, whatever it takes. Yeah. Let's, let's we'll sign what, <laughs> whatever NDA is necessary, <laughs> whatever you want us to sign, whatever we need to do, we're let's ready. do it. I, I, we're ready. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we, we can talk about multimodal stuff all day. I, you know, uh, I can have you back. I'd love to have you back again. So for now, though, tell us uh, tell us about uh, Kairos Data Labs. Something you're starting with is it is Shubham? Mm -hmm. How do you pronounce his name? Mm -hmm. Shubham and uh -huh. uh, and talk about your upcoming book also, which is really exciting. Uh, tell tell us all about these these two projects you have going on. Mm, absolutely. So um, I'll start with the book because this is the origin of everything. <laughs> Um, so, so basically, um, I was approached by Shabam um, that uh, happened to saw a couple of my videos on GPT-3 um, with uh, an opportunity to write together a report for O'Reilly about GPT-3 algorithm. And uh, of course, I jumped on board um, and uh, was, was happy to join him. So we started um, thinking of what this report could contain uh, what, what could be interesting for them. And meanwhile, they have already um, made some space and decided that they would like to create a book, a whole book about uh, GPT-3. So that's how this innocent um, project turned into a whole uh, six months endeavor, <laughs> which I'm still in right now. And uh, so, so um, we decided to use this opportunity to create uh, like a good base for everybody that is interested in GPT-3 as a technology and comes from variety of backgrounds, such as my own. So no code, only business or on, on, only creative endeavors, um, or also people that are um, C CTOs, CEOs, um, developers that uh, work on, on their own project and want to build products. So book is dedicated to everybody, <laughs> to, to be frank. Uh, we want to be as inclusive as possible. And, uh, and uh, yeah, um, we want to create a good base that will both teach the basics of the technology and uh, what it comes from in the whole history of AI and NLP as a, as a discipline. 
uh, and also talk about its um, the problematic aspects of it and uh, how to kind of deal with that, if it's possible to deal with that, how OpenAI deals with that. So uh, here I'm thinking about social aspects such as uh, misinformation uh, or um, I don't know that the climate change and the economic footprint of of GPT three as a model. So we we are touching also uh, a little bit upon that. But at the same time, we want to um, portray the already uh, dynamically evolving ecosystem out of the out of the OpenAI API. So we are talking to um, GPT three based business owners, such as the founder of Viable. Um, or uh, to corporates that decided to experiment and include GPT-3 as part of their products. Mm. And to creators, I have already, I'm not sure if I reached out to you, but I think I've reached out to you and told you that I want your, your voice to be included, definitely there as well. Um, to, to basically create this picture where when somebody is new, they not only know how to navigate the API itself, but also understand more or less like what has happened, what what did they miss so far, and and uh, what has been done, what lessons has been learned, how to navigate the pricing if you want to build uh, build a product, uh, what's the best way to scale, um, how to advertise, and and so on and so forth. So there there are many more aspects than this pure technological aspect of of. GPT-3, and uh, we want to uh, include them as well in the book. Um, book will be both a text and also a uh, hybrid online materials. I couldn't help but do a little bit of video <laughs> around the book, so they will be part, part of it. They will be included, and we are also creating code to uh, help create the, the initial example projects for the people that will be doing it um, for the first time. Uh, yeah, we are kind of halfway through it when it comes to, to the writing of it. And we are aiming to publish beginning of next year. That's awesome. So it's, so I didn't know this. So it's not just technical. It's like very comprehensive. Like it's, it's also like social business product. That's awesome. That's awesome. And obviously it makes sense to me. Most people who are into GPT-3, they want to, you know, make, honestly, I, I have the, the number one question I get from a lot of people is how can I make money from this? Like mm -hmm. straight up. And it's not even how question. can I build an app? Uh, yeah, but, it's, but that's a super yeah. valid question. And, and it's not obvious, especially when you have pricing, that's something completely new because you have something completely new, like, you know, a model that is, that is a product and, and that you pay for for its uh, for, for the API calls. Um, I think we're all dealing with something new here, and um, it is especially important then to kind of create this knowledge transfer between people that have already scaled um, successfully the products uh, and have been there done that and can you know give a little word of advice based on their experience. That's awesome. Alrighty then, so we are approaching 40, 45 minute mark, somewhere in that range. So is there anything else you wanted to share with the audience? Any any feedback, advice, random quote, book you like, whatever's on your mind, anything? Um, well, right now I'm reading T-minus. Uh, so uh, T-minus AI, this is a book about AI, uh, uh, which, which I really enjoy and uh, and I'm just uh, trying to comprehend the fact that that China is basically um, 
uh, supreme in terms of AI development. I, I think I'm going to start learning Mandarin. So that's one of the things I can share just completely ad hoc. But other than that, um, I want to mention that if uh, any of you would like to connect with me, uh, I am happy to do so, uh, to answer any of your questions about GPT-3 AI avatars, whatever, whatever's on your mind, whatever you're curious about. Um, you can just, just find me on LinkedIn or, or on YouTube uh, channel, and I, I'll be happy to uh, have a chat with you. Yes, and for updates on your book, updates on on the labs, like is is Twitter the best resource? Is there is there a website? Mm, I guess uh, LinkedIn, Twitter uh, would be the two best um, best ways to find it. But also, um, Kairos is actually I I haven't even mentioned Kairos. I forgot about it, but um so so to create this like umbrella of all the all the resources that will be created with the book and maybe with the future books because we don't necessarily stop with just one book uh we created organization called uh, kairos data labs and uh we have a youtube channel we have a github uh, we have a linkedin and twitter and uh i guess when it comes to updates on the book this is the best um source of information awesome so for everyone listening, everyone watching, I'm going to put all of these links. I'm going to get them from Sandra. I'm going to put them in the show notes and the YouTube description. Um, I encourage you, obviously, give a follow, uh, you know, follow along with the journey, you know, buy the book, contribute, check it out. It's really exciting stuff. And of course, I am, I am subscribed to Sandra's YouTube channel as well. I love watching her videos. And like I said, I, I watch YouTube really intensely. And so sorry for spoiling the last video, but uh, it's it's really good. And I'm already looking longingly at your interview with Bram as well. So I, I look forward to watching today's video. Okay, Sandra. That's awesome. Thank you so much. First of all, Yeah. So anyways, this was great. Thank you so much for being here, Sandra. And to be honest, podcast is always open to you. Anytime you want to drop by, I would love to hear. I would love to follow up if you want to expand any of these discussions. If you want to give a book update, uh, you know, this is an incredible discussion. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to come back. Awesome. So thank you all for listening. Multimodal by Baxty Future. This podcast is available everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. I personally use Pocket Casts. You can find it on there. Um, I'm going to be having more interviews coming up. Uh, people more on the multimodal side as, as well, which is really exciting. People working on interesting, you know, very heavy research code projects. Uh, you can follow along on my newsletter, baxtfuture.substack.com. I'm on Twitter at B-A-K-Z-T Future. I'm on Instagram, B-A-K-Z-T Future. I have the same handle basically everywhere. Um, and on, on Instagram, I plan on updating and posting some of my own AI art. So that's something I'll be doing on the side if you're interested in following along. And of course, you know my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash B-A-K-Z-T Future. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you again, Sandra, for being here. And to all the listeners and uh, video viewers today for the first time, you know, I hope you're having an awesome day, night, morning, evening, long drive, short drive, commute, wherever you are on this planet, in the ocean, outer space, another, another parallel universe, wherever you are, I hope it's awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. <laughs>